Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. It's the same description as Simeon and Levi, just as Simeon and Levi were ratzon, they were taking pleasure in the death of the Shechemites, Saul of Tarsus was taking pleasure in the death of the, of, of the Lord's disciple, Stephen. Now, this is just what the Lord Jesus said what was going to happen in John 16.1. John 16.1, he gave this warning. He said, these things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. The reason pleasure is taken in killing, in killing is because they haven't known God the Father and they haven't known God the Son. So this, this matter of taking pleasure in wickedness is, where, is described by Paul in the first chapter of Romans when he's describing how, how the depravity of man, the wickedness, when he says in Romans one twenty nine, Romans one twenty nine being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, and whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventor of evil things, disobedient parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Same thing. Now, after Jacob has now described the sin of Simeon and Levi, he moves on to pronounce a curse in verse 7. So you look at verse 7. Take a look at verse 7. And let me ask you, does Jacob say, cursed be Simeon and Levi? Is that what the text says? No, it doesn't say that. What does it say? Cursed be their anger, Cursed is the anger of Simeon and Levi. Now, you look at that, you say, well, what's the difference? Why not? I mean, you would think that after going through this horrible wickedness of Simeon and Levi and how he would stay away from their soul, their secret, then you, you would have thought that Jacob just would have cursed Simeon and Levi. But he didn't curse Simeon and Levi. Why not? What's the difference between Jacob cursing Simeon and Levi and Jacob cursing their anger? What's the difference? No difference? Okay. So who's the sinner? Right. What's the sin? That's it. That's it. This is a marvelous point that Jacob is bringing out for us here in verse 6, 7, when he said, cursed be their anger. He's made a distinction between the sin and the sinner, and he's cursing the sin of anger, and he's not cursing the sinners 
of Simeon and Levi. I mean, he's seen something. Jacob has seen something in verse 7 that we need to see in people. The difference between the sin and the sinner. And he's done what we need to do. Curse the sin, love the sinner. Or hate the sin, love the sinner. I mean, this brings out a biblical truth that God loves the sinner. God loves the sinner. For example, when the Lord Jesus said in John 3.16, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He's talking about sinners in, in, in that verse. So it could be in John 3.16, the meaning is God so loved the world of sinners, or God so loved sinners that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And, and this is what's emphasized in Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8, where it says, God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That simply means that God loved us while we were sinners. God loves sinners. That means that God loves sinners. And this is what Jacob is saying in verse 7, that he, he loved the sinners, Simeon and Levi, but he hated and cursed their sin of anger. But we just see that God does curse people. He does. For example, God said to, to one of the first things God said to Abraham in Genesis 12.3, Genesis 12.3, he said, I will curse him, uh, curse them, that uh, I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. So there God is cursing a person who curses Abraham. Now, this raises a question. This raises a question. When does God curse a person? And for the answer to this question, again, we have to go back to what Jacob said in verse 7 when he said, cursed be their anger, and see this sharp distinction between the sin and the sinner. It shows us that the sinner is never cursed apart from the sin that's in him. The sin, it's the sin that draws down the curse from God. And the only way that a person becomes cursed is when he clings to his sin. He clings to his sin. The only way a person becomes cursed is when the person loves his sin and becomes inseparably attached to his sin. You know, picture a person. Picture a person who's on a boat, and he's, and he's guarding and holding this, this bag of gold, and it's heavy, and he, and he won't let it go. And the person falls off the ship into the ocean, and he begins to sink because he's holding the bag of gold. Now, the person has a choice. He can either let the bag of gold go, and then he doesn't drown, and he lives, or he can choose to continue to hold on to the bag of gold and let him drag him down to his death. See, that's a picture. Sin is cursed, like Jacob said in verse 7. Cursed be their anger. And the only way that a person becomes cursed is when they become that person becomes inseparably linked to their sins. They love their sin. When a person becomes inseparably linked to his sin, he makes himself cursed along with his sin. The Lord Jesus has a term for that, and he calls that a certain term in John 8, 24. John 8, 24, he said, that condition is, I said, therefore, unto you, you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sins. That's a horrible, unnecessary 
catastrophe for anyone to die in their sins, holding on to that bag, die into their sins. And the only reason a person dies in that state of dying in their sins is because because they have chosen to, because it's unnecessary. Why? Because this is one of the great accomplishments of the blood of Christ, of the blood of the Lord Jesus, which is given to us in 1 John 1, 7. 1 John 1, 7 talks about a great accomplishment of the blood of the Lord when it says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, the Greek word behind cleanses, cleanseth, is, is the word karthazio, karthazio, from which we get our word karthesis, karthesis. You might wonder, what does that mean, karthesis? Well, if you've ever had a colonoscopy, you'll know what a karthesis is. It's a strong purging. It's a strong purging. And when you think about it, isn't that what cleansing is in essence is? I mean, you know, your hands are dirty. Your hands are dirty. That means dirt has stuck to your hands. And when you clean your hands, you simply separate your hands from the dirt. And, and if we plug that essential meaning in back into 1 John 1.7, 1 John 1.7, it becomes clearer when we would read it like this, 1 John 1.7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, separates us from all sin. And this is the great power that's in the blood of the Lord Jesus, is that, is, is that when we desire through repentance, when we desire through repentance to be separated from our sins, the blood of the Lord Jesus is so powerful that it separates us from our sins. But that separation is not automatic. It doesn't just happen. There must be on our part a want to, which is repentance. There's got to be a want to before the power of the blood accomplishes this separation, which is why God told Israel in Isaiah 116, Isaiah 116, wash you, make you clean, he said. And the Lord Jesus has provided this blood to us to make us clean. We have to apply it. We have to apply it to our hearts. That's our part, and we see this in Revelation 7.14. Revelation 7.14 says, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Who did that? They did it. So just as Jacob said in verse 7, cursed be their anger, the sin is and always will be cursed, which is why the Lord Jesus became a curse for us. When he took his sins, when he took our sins on him and he died for our sins, it says in Galatians 3.13, Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So for us to see that sin is and always will be cursed, if to really get that down, all you have to do is look at the cross. All you have to do is look at the cross. And so This, what Jacob has said here, cursed be their anger. It teaches us that sin is and always will be cursed. And the only way that a sinner ends up being cursed with a sin is when he doesn't want to take God's remedy. When he doesn't want to take God's remedy for his sin, which is the ability through the power of the blood of the Lord to be separated from sins. When a sinner says to God's offer of the gospel, well, thank you very much, but I love my sin. And I don't want to be separated from my sin. 
then that person puts himself in the horrible state of what the Lord described in John 3.36. John 3.36, when he said, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, but he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life. And here's what he said. The wrath of God abideth on him. It's terrible. It's terrible for a person to be in the state of the wrath of God abideth on him. Man as a sinner is in that state of clinging to his sin, and the wrath of God abides on him. But the blood of the Lord is so powerful that it can remove that wrath of God from abiding on him. All he's got to do is just want to be separated from his sins. So when Jacob says in verse 7, cursed be their anger, he's giving us a balance of a middle ground, which is right, because there's two extremes which are wrong. The one extreme is to accept or bless the sin for the sake of the sinner. That's wrong. And the other extreme is to curse the sinner for the sake of the sin. That's wrong. But the middle ground is hate the sin and love the sinner, which is what Jacob is saying here in verse 7, cursed be their anger. Now, we see how Jacob further describes their anger in verse 7, cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, their wrath, for it was cruel. Fierce and cruel. These are the words that, that uh, Jacob uses to describe the anger and the wrath of Simeon and Levi. Fierce and cruel. The, the, the Hebrew word cruel is the word ebrat, which means this, this boiling over. It has the same idea as the boiling over of water. Very similar to the word that Jacob had used for, for Reuben when he said unstable is water. Again, as another word means boiling over, verse 4. So Reuben, Simeon, Levi all have the same problem, lack of self-control, which, uh, as we've seen, which is why the Lord Jesus addresses the whole issue, as we, as we mentioned in the Sermon on the Mount, as, as adultery is the look and, um, and, and uh, murder is the, is the word or the anger, the feeling. It's so easy for us to become instruments of Satan. Because when we fail, when we fail to exercise self-control, which is why it's so important for us to be in a constant mode of self-checking, self-checking, which is what the Bible calls us to do in 1 Corinthians 11.28. 1 Corinthians 11.28 says, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat that bread and drink that, that cup. If for no other reason, for no other reason, the weekly communion here is valuable as a time when we're forced to examine ourselves because our hearts are deceitful. And so we examine ourselves and not only do that, but we ask for God's help as David did in Psalm 139, 23. Psalm 139, 23, when David prays to God, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He also said in Psalm 26, 2, Psalm 26.2, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. Now, when we look at this whole passage here, and we see Jacob describing their anger and their wrath of Simeon and Levi as fierce and cruel, what really was it? It was vengeance. It was taking revenge. And you can't read this passage about Simeon and Levi without renewing in ourselves a personal resolve against being vengeful, vengeful, which is why the Lord said in Luke 6.29, Luke 6.29, unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, he says, turn the other cheek, offer the other also. Him that takes your cloak 
forbid not to take thy coat also. You know, that's pretty offensive, being slapped in the face and, and having what is yours stolen right before you. And it naturally arouses feelings of, I want to get even. I want to get even, but that's sin. And, and, and I struggled with this. I struggled with this. I struggled with this on Friday, January 4th, 1985, <laughs> a few days ago, when I had a great struggle to, against the temptation to be vengeful. Because on that day, I went to go visit. You remember, we were living up at the ranch there with all the goats and everything. And I went to go visit our neighbor, Larry Rust, uh, who, you, who I've talked about before. At this time, Larry was in the hospital. Larry was in the hospital several times. But at that time, Larry was in the hospital. He wasn't expected to come out, but he did come out. It was, it was, it was a miracle. But when I visited Larry that day, Larry was in the hospital having just had six bypass heart surgery, six bypass. That's a lot. He had a stroke. His left side was partially paralyzed. He also had lung cancer, and, and his carotid arteries in his neck were so blocked that it was barely passing blood up to his brain, and, and his liver and his kidneys weren't working well either. In short, he was a very sick man. Larry was a very sick man. And Larry and I were in the hospital room there alone. We were just in there alone. And I held Larry's right hand. I held his right hand, and I prayed for him, and we talked, and I just quietly read various scriptures to him. And, and I want to tell you that I was going through a great struggle at that time. Why? Because I remembered a time. I remember the time when one of our employees on the ranch, who was working at our ranch, working at our ranch home in Lakeside, had by mistake put a bag of trash in Larry's dumpster. Whoa, that was bad. And Larry flew into a rage over that, and he took the bag of trash and, and ripped it open and spread it all over our driveway. And Larry burst into the garage, which was where the lab was, and he told another employee who was sitting there, shut, sitting there, and he said, you shut up. And Larry took a knife out of his pocket and held it up in front of me and yelled at me, now you listen to me, you know. So there I am in this hospital room with him now, alone with Larry. And there were just long moments of silence. Sometimes that happens during our communion service. But anyway, long moments of silence. I was thinking about all that. And it was hard for me. And I had to make a distinction between Larry the sinner and Larry's anger, the sin. And I had to say what Jacob said in verse 7, cursed be Larry's anger, cursed be, but not Larry. And as I held that, 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 that his hand there, I thought to myself, I'm holding the hand that held the knife up to me, threatening me. And I thought, cursed be Larry's anger, but not Larry. And I softly said to Larry, Larry, do you want to receive Christ right now? And Larry softly said back to me, not right now, not right now. Okay, now there's a last lesson here that comes out of this passage, and that lesson can be seen with one word in verse 5, and that word is Levi. Levi, this great sin of deceit and treachery and vengeance and murder and cruelty, it was committed by Levi, a sin so great that, that Jacob said to his soul, recoil from them, a sin so great that Jacob cursed his anger. Levi did all this. Who did God choose to become his priests? 
<laughs> it was Levi, you know. Who did God choose to represent man to God? It was Levi. It was Levi, the tribe of Levi. What does that show us? Tremendous grace of God. It shows us what marvelous grace. It shows us what amazing grace that God should choose Levi for the honor of being God's priest. This was a curse turned into a blessing. And it's the same grace of God that, was, that, that transformed us as sinners. We're like Levi. We're like Levi. When it says in 1 Peter 2.9, 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Think about if, if God was saying this to, to Levi. You are a royal priesthood. Holy nation, a peculiar people. That's for sure. That you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's Levi. Levi, you are a chosen one to be a royal priesthood. You're a peculiar people. Why? So that you can show forth the praises of him who called you out of the darkness of vengeance and deceit and murder and cruelty, out of that darkness into his marvelous light. That's us. That's us. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkenness, drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you are now washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your amazing grace that you should choose Levi. We thank you, Lord, that, uh, that, that you should, we thank you for your amazing grace that you chose us and help us, Lord, to, to, to be, Lord, uh, pleasing to you in showing forth your praises who've called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, Creation Museum and Tabernacle admission, 
plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Grow deeper in God's Word with the Friendship with God King James Version Study Bible prepared by Tom Cantor. This genuine lambskin large print study Bible features the history of Israel, full-color timeline and maps, frequently asked questions about the Jewish Messiah, prophecy and fulfillment study, Hebrew root notations and definitions, the life study of Joseph, and so much more. Order your copy today for only $49.95. That's $49.95. And receive a free personal signed copy by Mr. Tom Cantor, along with your name engraved on the cover. To order your Friendship with God Study Bible, call 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Or visit us at creationbookstore.com. That's creationbookstore.com. 